Hi everyone, welcome to today's safety and health webcast, how to evaluate the safety performance of contractors using leading and lagging indicators. Sponsored by Browse. My name is Joe Bush. I am an associate editor with Safety and Health Magazine and I will be moderating today's session. Thanks for joining us. In a few minutes, we'll start the presentation, but first I want to go over some preliminary items. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the Council or Magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we will conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen and click the button for Submit Question. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the question and answer session to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but because of the large number of participants today, we might not get to every question. Any unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speakers. For basic troubleshooting information, click the Help button located on your screen. At the end of the webcast, you will be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey. I will let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast is archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash events. You can download the slides using the download widget at the bottom of the screen. Our speakers today will be Dennis Robinson, Business Development with Browse, and Pat Cunningham, Director of Safety and Auditing Services with Browse. Dennis Robinson has been with Browse for more than 10 years and is currently working as a Business Development Specialist. Prior to his current role, Robinson managed the Assessment Specialist team responsible for the validation of all contractor documentation. Robinson's experience provides him with a first-hand knowledge of the details and documentation organizations rely on to ensure they are working with safe, responsible contractors. Pat Cunningham has a Master's in Occupational Health and Safety Management and more than 25 years of experience in the field of safety. In addition to his appointment to the VPPPA Education Committee, Cunningham is a delegate to the National Safety Council. Prior to Browse, he worked for Xcel Energy as the Director of Corporate Safety. Thanks to all of you for tuning in to this presentation. Dennis and Pat, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Thanks, Joe. And uh, we want to thank everyone as well for joining us today. Uh, so, so initially here, let's, let's maybe ask the question, why, why evaluate contractors? What's the reasoning for that? Well, let's look at our daily lives and maybe look at all the other places that we are currently evaluating or doing some level of prequalification. As you can see on the screen, uh, maybe you evaluate colleges, maybe you evaluate uh, schools. There's obviously going to be some sort of a prequalification if you go get a loan for a home or a vehicle, or even if you're getting a job, there's going to be some sort of evaluation. And obviously it's sort of tongue-in-cheek, but you're not going to marry somebody that you don't date as well. So there's obviously a prequalification there, which begs the question, why prequalify third-party contractors? Well, there's lots of reasons why that's important as well, uh, one of those being brand equity, uh, obviously as well the well-being of employees. And then when you look at it as a whole, it also saves you money as a company in terms of keeping the EMR rates low, safety rates low, 
and then finds biosis. So there's really a lot of different areas where it can become very effective. And, and obviously, I touched on some very, some very light points. There's a lot more to go into detail there in that regard. <clears throat> really, when you're looking at uh, what sort of a system you might want to implement, you have three choices. One of those being do absolutely nothing and just hope for the best. Cross your fingers and maybe nothing will happen, but let's be honest, that may not be the best way to do so. Another one would be to uh, maybe put a system in-house, and then the last one would be to use a third party to uh, manage those contractors for you. But obviously with there being lives at risk and brand equity and so on, you want to make sure that whatever it is that you do implement is a solid policy and something that is for the better of your company and for your employees that are working. Uh, Pat, I was gonna, I'd like to ask you really quickly, uh, are there really any standards that are requiring contractor prequalification? Well, that's a good question, Dennis. You know, there really isn't a single source document from OSHA outlining their expectations for host employers to, to evaluate their contractors. There are uh, nine different standards at least and, and uh, a couple different documents from OSHA outlining requirements for that. They're a little bit hidden. Uh, you can find them in the HAZCOM standard, in the uh, construction confined space entry standard, um, also in, uh, in the VPP document. Uh, really outlines, uh, and those are just some of them, that outline OSHA's intents for host employers to evaluate contractors. And I can tell you from experience also is that when, when uh, if there's an event at your uh, lo location in regards to contractor management, uh, OSHA does rely heavily on the general duty clause. <laughs> but one of the things that uh, we'd like to, to point out is that when you do a thorough job of contractor management, and and uh, and hopefully you look at contractor management as as uh, outlined in the Campbell Institute uh, contractor management white paper. Um, you look at all phases of contractor management from, from pre-call to, to risk assessment to orientating your contractors, monitoring them on the job, and then also the post-job evaluation. So um, this is uh, critical that you look holistically at contractor management and, and not just uh, one aspect of it. So we're, we're often asked, does contractor qualification matter? The slide that you see right here in front of you it shows that um, by managing contractors, uh, their performance will will improve over industry averages. And this used to be something that uh, we at Browse would have to qualify our statements. And, and now, thanks to the um, the independent research from the National Safety Council, we can really quantify that. And what that means to you as a listener is that. <clears throat> If you're lobbying, trying to socialize contractor management in your organization, you, you can see, you can come up with a, um, a return on investment or a, a demonstration that uh, the investment and time and effort on your part will, will pay, you, pay off for the company. So um, this is as significant as you as well, for you as well. The second slide, this uh, slide, this uh, overview from this uh, white paper from, uh, from the National Safety Council just shows that managed contractors and safety programs uh, performance is, is better than industry average. And what this slide shows is, is that not only are they better, but they, they outpace industry uh, averages as well for safety improvement. So over the course of time, the longer 
contractors are managed in a system, the, the better off they're going to be performing for you and also at, uh, at, a, at a faster pace. Um, this report uh, is uh, available um, at the link listed below. Uh, if you download this presentation, you'll see it. Um, it's also going to be on the Campbell Institute uh, webpage as well. So um, if you've got questions, more details about questions, on the paper, uh, it's available through this web link. So we're we're gonna in this presentation we're gonna talk about as, as title we're gonna talk about lagging and leading indicators and thought we'd do a little bit of a calibration on what that means. These are these are terms that are bantered around quite a bit in industry and and so for today's discussion we'll just address uh, quickly here the lagging indicators and. And I, I believe these are really foundational metrics. These are, while they're a rear view mirror look at what took place, it's, it's really, it's critical that companies look at these uh, statistics and, and see a performance, not just of their own employees, but of the contractors that they, they, they bring in as well. Uh, the leading indicators, these, are, these are, are, are indicators that can drive business in a direction that they're looking to, to go to. So this is really a progressive type um, predictive approach to managing safety and contractors. And if I if I had to um, boil the the two differences into a single words, I would say that lagging indicators are reactive indicators after the fact, and and leading indicators are proactive in in in, in nature and trying to uh, drive the company. Um, so with that, a uh, little bit of a definition and explanation, uh, let's, let's move on to and start with uh, lagging indicators and, and get back to Dennis. Thanks, Pat. So what we're going to do here is we're going to walk you through a mock scenario. Again, this is 100% fictional. It's not something that's reality, but it's maybe more of a view into where there could be holes in what you're currently doing and some things that you could look for in that regard. So in this scenario, you've hired a company to perform a service. You've reviewed their OSHA logs, and they appear to be a safe and qualified company. Well, unfortunately, there's an accident on site. So let's maybe take a step back and look at what we've done, which was looking at that OSHA log, and see maybe where we could have looked a little bit further and, and maybe done some, some more investigative work to find out if, in fact, this company was somebody that we wanted to work on site with us. So I'm going to pull up this company's OSHA 300 log, and as I look at that, uh, they had initially reported only one accident. And if you go in and you look on the 300A log, you'll see, and we'll, we'll do that in just a moment here, that they only reported one accident, but they have days away from work and lost work days listed on there as well. Well, as I look at this 300 log, I can see that there's actually two accidents, even though they only list the one. And those two accidents, only one of those is listed as, as another recordable case. Now, if when we change that and we look at that, and now we've actually got not only another recordable case, we have a lost workday case <clears throat> and a uh, transfer-restricted case. Now, all of a sudden, it changes the severity of those injuries, and it's something that maybe we weren't aware of it initially, but now it does give us cause for concern in that regard. So as I talked about, let's look at that 300A log. And um, why this is important is it doesn't give us the detail of the 300 log, but it does give us that industry code. And what that industry code does is that allows us to see what industry this company works in, and now we can actually compare to find out if maybe that one accident puts them over their threshold for the industry, or where do they stand at minimum compared to 
that industry. So let's take a look. Let's look at their, uh, their rates. So initially they reported one accident, and that one accident gives them a total recordable rate of 4.8. Lost workday rate and DART rate are both at zero. Feels pretty harmless at this point. Again, though, we really don't have a subject matter to compare it to as of yet. <clears throat> so now let's look at their rates after we correctly uh, look at those now. And as you can see, the total recordable rate doubles. The lost workday rate is 4.8, and the DART rate is now 9.5. That's all and good, but without that industry code, we would have no idea what that really means. So now when we incorporate the industry code, we can now compare what their rates are compared to what the industry average are for those rates. And as you can see on the screen, the total recordable rate is almost four times what it should be. The lost workday rate is five times, and that DART rate is nearly five times as well. So now a company that had one injury from what we looked at initially has much more severe issues, and it's something that we definitely hopefully would have caught. We didn't in this situation, but it is something that if you do just a little bit of work, you can catch these things. Now let's look at uh, some other areas that maybe we could have looked at this company. Uh, I've got on the screen a quick screenshot from the OSHA.gov website. And what you can do here is you can actually do a search on a company to see if there's been any citations or violations levied on a company. Now where, where this is really important is maybe there wasn't an accident or an injury on site, but maybe there was something negligent happening that potentially could have been an injury. There's tons of accidents that never happen but where there could have been some level of a live wire where that was uh, could have been a potential issue. So in this case, and again, this is a mock situation, uh, as we look at this company, we've got five serious violations for this company. Now, again, keep in mind, when we initially looked at, at, this, uh, at this establishment, there was only one injury that was reported. Now we've got two injuries and five violations. So what looked initially to be pretty minimal is now something that's uh, probably going to cause cause for concern for us. Uh, Pat, do you have any maybe any comments uh, as far as being prepared when OSHA comes on site? Yep, absolutely. Yep. And and I'll, and I'll just um, back up a little bit on this in, in terms of um, contractors reporting injuries and illnesses. You know, many we hear from many of our our host clients that um, they hire small mom pop type uh, businesses. So it's, it's not necessarily that these companies are, are trying to fraud anyone, um, but they, they, they don't have the same level of sophistication as, as maybe the larger companies. So uh, part of the service for us is, is to, to go over those, these, these uh, logs to make sure that what they're reporting is accurate, you know, how they're reporting, so that they're, they're, they're making uh, as much sense as we can have. So back to the... Um, First-hand experience uh, in my previous position, we had uh, many opportunities to uh, visit with Browse, uh, with OSHA in terms of uh, they come, they're coming on site. Perhaps it's just for a contractor uh, call or uh, some event that was contractor-related. Um, there's two things that OSHA is going to do typically when uh, you're the host employer and they're talking about contractors. They're going to talk to you first and they're going to ask you, what is the process that you use for selecting a contractor? So they want to get a sense of what you did to evaluate that contractor and whether you do it in-house or have a managed system, you're, you're going to have to be able to answer that question. And, and if, if, if your process is the lowest bid, OSHA is going to 
be spending a lot more time with you talking about uh, and inquiring about what uh, what you do and what you don't do. The second thing they're gonna they're gonna ask about is is orientation and 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 whether or not you orientated that contractor uh, about coming onto your site and what's the information and the hazards uh, they're going to be expecting to encounter on your job site. So if you can address those two uh, things satisfactorily uh, with OCHA then they're going to move on and, and, and start talking to the contractor. Wonderful. Thanks, Pat. Now, now let's go a step further. We've talked about the OSHA log. We've looked into that OSHA log. Uh, we've looked at the OSHA.gov website. Now let's look at maybe another, uh, another of those lagging indicators to see what else you could have looked at. Uh, EMR is another key area that you can look at. And as you can see on the screen, EMR stands for Experience Modification Rate. By definition, an experience modifier or experience modification is a term used in the American insurance business and more specifically in workers' compensation insurance. It is the adjustment of annual premium based on previous loss experience. So with that, let's look at this company's EMR rating and see if there is cause for concern. And as you'll see on the screen, this company has an experience modification rate of 1.57. Now, is that good or bad? Pat, would you mind uh, maybe explaining what that 1.57 would mean? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the the EMR system is set up that um, any company that is at one is at industry average. So their their the cost of their injuries are, are at an expected level compared to the industry. So you're looking for anything uh, at one or below, and anything above one is is going to show that their costs of their injuries and illnesses are higher than what's taking place within their industry. So it's a quick check to look at uh, the cost of injuries. Uh, it's just one of the metrics that we recommend that you look at in addition to injury rates and, and uh, that experience. Thanks, Pat. So, so ultimately, the higher EMR, then the more, more cause for concern in that regard, correct? Correct. Wonderful. And, and really quickly, uh, just to maybe go backwards a bit, there was a question regarding that OSHA 300 log compared to the OSHA 300A log. And, uh, the individual had asked um, if, you know, there are some privacy laws around that. There absolutely are. You may not be able to get that sort of information, but uh, just for an example's sake, we wanted to make sure that uh, it was something where we showed both the 300 and 300A log so that uh, you all could see maybe what the differences are and where we saw those issues. So, um, again, it's just a fictitional situation where we wanted to share that with you, so wanted to uh, push that out there. With that, let's maybe talk about some other items that you can look at from a uh, lagging indicator standpoint. Uh, you can look at health and safety items, insurance and risk. Does com do companies have the correct endorsements, the correct limits, and so on? Uh, supply demographics. But the big one here I like to speak about is financial stability. And some might look at that and go, well, why is that important to look at? Well, a big reasoning for that, and I'll share a story with you. We were meeting with a potential client, and in that conversation, they had shared with us that they had a contractor on site that was installing an HVAC unit. And in the process, uh, everything went great. The company was safe, did everything as, as was asked, for, asked to do. Well, three months after that HVAC unit was installed, uh, this potential client of ours received a notice of a lien on their property for this HVAC unit that they'd already paid for. What had happened was is the contract that had installed it had gone belly up, and now <clears throat> this, uh, this potential client was on the hook for paying for that again. So... While it may not seem initially like it's something that's worth looking at or something you need to in terms of those lagging indicators, it's absolutely important. And while a company might be safe, 
if they're not financially stable, then there could be some issues that, uh, that come up in that regard as well. So now let's talk a little bit about ongoing management. How are you going to review that data? How often should you track it? And then how does that training data work for you as well? Well, let's talk a little bit about the administrative burden of tracking this information. Uh, we've kind of made an educated guess here of about 12 hours per year per contractor. Now keep in mind that that could be much lower or much more depending on the level of information that you're actually looking into and how prepared the contractor is to provide those items for you. So that administrative burden could be much greater than that. And if you figure that you've got hundreds of contractors, there really could become a much larger issue in that regard in terms of you making sure that you've got all this data and you're tracking it correctly. Uh, Pat, is there maybe anything else that uh, companies should be doing here in this regard? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, as a host employer, if you have contractors on site, if you utilize contractors throughout the year, you should also budget time for annual contractor performance conversations, similar to as, as what you do for your own employees, but at a company level. Um, the need to do that is to, to strengthen that partnership, that, that mentorship, if you will, with the contractor in terms of um, their compliance with your, your policies, your programs, how they, how they interact with your employees, how they're performing on site in terms of housekeeping or, or, or just complying with their own written programs. So if you're expecting good performance from an employer or a contractor, you, you do need to invest time into, into some coaching. And, and these contractors are looking for this uh, feedback as well. So um, managing contractors does take some effort uh, from a host employer. So in terms of that, Pat, you're saying that really that administrative burden isn't just collecting documents and reviewing them. There's, there's obviously more scenarios and more areas where you need to review as well. Absolutely. It, it's, a, it's a comprehensive effort uh, just as employee safety is. Awesome. Thanks, Pat. Uh, so what, a lot of you might be asking, and maybe this is something that you're all familiar with, but really what does this cost? And, and one thing that we've done, uh, it's, it's free, it's something that you're all welcome to do, is uh, we have an ROI, a return on investment calculator on our website. You're all free to use it. Um, and essentially what this would do is maybe give any idea of, is a third-party service right for you? Is this something that you may want to look at and something that could be beneficial to your organization? You'll see on the screen the link, uh, just www.browse.com forward slash ROI. We'd welcome any of you to use that and uh, love to uh, share that with you. And if you have questions, we'll, on the end, we'll kind of talk through uh, how we can answer those questions for you. <clears throat> so now begs the question, uh, how do you want to manage that data as a company? Uh, you can use a filing cabinet. You can use Excel spreadsheets, maybe administrator in-house, uh, MS access database, and so on. Um, but obviously, if you're doing it on your own, there might be some issues there. And, and Pat, maybe do you have any com comments on the complexities of managing this data on your own? Yeah, absolutely. In, in a previous position, we had uh, this, uh, that same situation. All these, all these, uh, these words off to the side uh, came to, to fruition. Uh, you know, we, we operated in eight states, a 24-7 operation, and we had uh, companies, uh, different divisions, different departments, who happened to be all siloed from one another, and, and they had various types of data repositories, whether it was electronic systems, spreadsheets, that kind of a thing, uh, shared folders, and even hard copy folders. So 
at any given time, we had to have access to, to enough information to make a good decision about hiring a contractor. This uh, same experience that I had, uh, first-hand experience, is typical of what we see with, with new clients. We have There's a lot of stakeholders involved with contractor management, and, and uh, you need to open up some new communication lines uh, to be successful. Wonderful. Thanks, Pat. So let's maybe take you into a quick view of our OneView system and, and what that would look like if that was something that, uh, that you wanted to look in, and maybe just give me an idea of how accessible some of this data can be. Uh, we talked a little bit about filing cabinets in some of these other areas, and Pat talked about having information siloed around, but really this gives you a single document uh, access, base, access database where you can view as your contractor compliant. If they aren't, what are they failing for? And you can view this company-wide, so it takes some of that guesswork out around maybe one group thinks one thing's happening and another thinks something else is happening. So very important, and, and as Pat reiterated, uh, very important to be able to see exactly what's going on for that one company and something that you can see as a whole. Uh, this right here is just a view into a, a sample scorecard that we could produce as well for you. And in this, rather than just seeing a red, green, or yellow icon, this actually shows you a breakdown of uh, what exactly this company uh, is failing for or not failing for, and maybe where they're lacking, where you have some sort of a weighted average. And uh, these scorecards, they're done differently for each client, so it's not a hard-coded uh, system for you. It's something where you can really draw from your own requirements and ensure that your contractors are being rated against those specific requirements as well. So really quickly, looking into the system here, <clears throat> and now we're going to show you uh, what it would look like to track safety historical statistics. Now, as we showed you previously, uh, really when, when we looked at that first OSHA log and we saw that there was only one accident, it seemed fairly harmful. But when we actually looked more at that OSHA log, or harmless, sorry, uh, but when you looked back at that OSHA log and we now saw that there was actually two accidents, and then we took those accidents and compared them to the industry average, we now saw a much broader and more dangerous story. Well, one way that our system helps with that is you can actually see trending data where maybe a company still has, still has rates that aren't great, but maybe they're improving, or even more so, maybe one year they record site-specific and the next year they report corporate-wide. It's important that you have consistency throughout, and it's, it's something that you know that your contractors are reporting uh, correctly in that regard. Uh, Pat, maybe do you have any comments in that regard? Yeah, so the, the table that you see that's ready, readily available to you in the, in the uh, dashboard is, is something that, uh, in, again, in the past position, our safety team had to, to spend hours locating this information from various sources, prepare for business unit meetings regarding supplier status, whether we're going to hire the contractor for a project or, or do a, an annual evaluation, that type of thing, uh, or, or do an override or, or decide not to hire the contractor. So we had to spend hours uh, collecting this information that uh, within the browse dashboard is, is now right at your fingertips. Wonderful. Thanks, Pat. And it, also just keep in mind that uh, this is information that we collect and we compile for you all. So it's, it's not something where we would ask you to collect this data. We would collect that for you, and then you could see right on the database uh, what your contractors are scored and, and where, maybe where they're failing as well, and, and we work with them for you. <clears throat> All right, so, so at this point, we've talked a bit about um, those lagging indicators. Uh, 
Pat, I'd, I'd maybe throw this back to you and ask, you know, if you have any more comments on those lagging indicators and, and how that's valuable and uh, where, you, where the value is there and, and so on. So I use the, the phrase foundational metrics, and, and, and really this past performance, it does have significant importance. Just as statistics in baseball, it's the World Series uh, you know, a week right now, so uh, um, kind of that kind of comes to mind. But these after-the-fact uh, statistics are, are, although in the rearview mirror, are, are going to be significant and, and do need to be tracked and, and, and looked at. And, you know, if... Uh, I think if you look at your own companies, your your CEO, those and, and executives, they're going to demand to, to see that information, those metrics in terms of of, of how a, a company is performing or even your own company. So uh, into the future, we're, we're going to be using lagging indicators. It's not something that's going to go away, and I think it's important to continue on with them. Well, we are also going to be talking about leading indicators, and, and we, I mentioned these are the proactive or predictive metrics that, that companies use to actually drive a business in a direction that they want to go, and, and that's the key thing in, in terms of, you know, not just reacting to, to what you see uh, out in the field, it, it's actually trying to drive it in the, in the, in the direction you want to go with, and, and these types of leading indicators that we're going to go over here in a minute also be used for contractor management and you know whether their um, their, their readiness level and, and their ability to work safely and you know as a safety profession those in the audience um, that's a challenge for us to, to try to incorporate leading indicators within our own companies because uh, if we don't do it uh, it's not going to be done by anybody else so um, it's important for us to start educating up and, and start utilizing leading indicators uh, for for employee performance and also for contractor performance. So one of the first uh, leading indicators I'm going to talk about is uh, safety program audits. Um, most companies have have uh, what they refer to typically is called critical programs. These are critical programs that uh, as a company. Uh, they need to be observed and, and understood and, and um, executed every day, every day, every shift. What uh, what you see here is a list of what we call the, the Browse Big Six. These are the standards that um, most of our clients utilize when assessing contractors. It's it's not the only list of, of uh, um, safety program audits we have, but this is again the, the top the top six that we we uh, look at and. So why is this important? Why do you look at written programs? Well, there's an expectation we mentioned earlier about OSHA and, and having due diligence that uh, if you have contractors that are impacting or utilizing some of your critical programs, it's important for you to know that they have the capability of, of compliance with those. Um, also, these uh, supplier audits are, are um, good to, to uh, check to see if they, they have a written program and and um, look at their elements. You know, and the, and the benefits of, of, of auditing uh, written programs is that, uh, you know, a, a program could, having the visibility in the dashboard as a, as a host employer to know what that contractor does in terms of uh, program or elements within is critical. And then 
And then um, even for the suppliers, we found that a lot of suppliers have have uh, the need for a little bit of tune-up on their written programs. They might miss a, a key element or two. So having them go through that effort is, is really continuous process improvement for them as well. And lastly, I'll, I'll make mention that um, these audits really aid the client in, in when they do a field observation of a contractor. So if, they, if they're observing work that's taking place in the field and, and they see something that, that it's not quite right, not quite matching up to their written program, they can pull that up from the dashboard and, and show them, here's what your written program says that, that you're doing and, and uh, I'm either not seeing that or, or uh, I'm seeing something completely different. So this is how you can utilize a leading indicator of, of evaluating and auditing uh, written safety programs. Another thing that we, we uh, we talk about and, and others uh, talk about safety is beyond compliance. And what does that really mean? Um, you know, from our own experience, and I think uh, those in the audience can uh, relate to, is that you know injuries and near misses happen every day at compliant companies, and and not every um, negative event is is related to a, a non-compliant situation. Uh, it, it could just simply be that uh, there's some some lack of training, lack of understanding, lack of execution, that type of thing. So you're going to continuously need to, to look at things that are beyond compliance. How do they get there? That, that's, uh, we're, we're in safety, we're really good at saying what's compliant and what's not, but we're not necessarily known outside of our profession as, as being good with how do you uh, do something uh, in, in terms of compliance and, or, or progressing beyond compliance. Some of the phrases that you see here called uh, moving the curve, invited participation, joint responsibility, journey to safety excellence. These are, are phrases being used across the country in terms of encouraging companies to seek deeper engagement of their workers and also their contractors. So uh, we at Browse feel that this is important uh, as well for us. Um, and I, again, you know, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a little bit, but uh, I, I think we need to have in the safety profession a, um, a paradigm shift. You know, we know as, a, as an employer, uh, employee-managed uh, uh, programs that um, compliance alone approach doesn't work for employee safety, and it's not going to work uh, for contractor management as well. Is that it, it's very limiting, and, and to improve contractor performance, uh, you're going to need a, a, a better um, broaden the filters that you use to, to evaluate contractors. Hey, Pat, I have a quick question for you. Uh, given your background, do you maybe have an example of where a compliance-only assessment didn't tell the full story? Yes, yeah, I do. You know, we were with uh, one client, and uh, we, did a, we did a couple of levels of audits, uh, it was kind of a proof of concept uh, event for us with this client, and so they wanted us to, to to do a compliance audit of a particular company, and also our 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 um, safety management system assessment to, to kind of look at how this this company was going to shake out. And on the write out to the to the company, uh, the supplier's uh, company, uh, the client mentioned that um, their experience with this contractor hadn't always been so good that they've um, they've had to correct the contractor a number of times about non-compliance situations. So 
he had a he was already predisposed that this this supplier was not going to do all that well. So we did the compliance audit first. It was a very very technical audit. It was uh, it was off of federal OSHA standards, some Cal OSHA standards, and even some consensus standards. So it, it was very granular in nature. And this supplier did an excellent job. They they um, they hit everything. I looked over at our, at our client, and, and he kind of had a look on his face like um, things weren't quite lining up and a little bit of confusion on his part. So we, we shifted audit uh, protocols, and then we did our management system assessment. And when we came to the part of, of how they train their leadership, how they engage their workforce, it became evident very quickly that this company was good on paper, but their execution and, and, and how they invested into their leadership and their employee engagement was, was lacking. And and then I, I looked back over at the client again, and he had a, kind of a smile on his face. It wasn't a big grin or anything, but I, 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 I could see that things were then, you know, the, the universe was then uh, realigning itself with, with his expectation, and and it, it brought me back to my, my undergraduate days of, of uh, psychology classes and and uh, the the term cognitive dissonance uh, came about, and, and uh, that was exactly what was taking place. He he didn't what he was hearing didn't match up with his preconceived ideas. So so yeah, that's a little bit of a story about uh, how a compliance only approach to safety is not necessarily going to tell the full picture on on how a company is how they manage their safety programs. Thanks, Pat. So now, uh, you know, another phrase that you're going to hear uh, in, in reading or conferences is called management system assessments or uh, health and safety uh, systems uh, approach to safety. And and so we at Browse, we created a, a supplier safety and health management system assessment that, that uh, we, we modeled after OSHA's new guidelines. Um, and there are seven core elements. You can see the seven core elements here. Uh, we picked those because it, it, it was um, it's readily available to the public, so it, it, it's a public domain. It's something that you can can use for free, and it's available in, in common sense terms. Um, so here's how OSHA breaks down um, a safety management system assessment. This is OSHA saying the compliance people saying, here's how you do safety, and and here's the seven buckets, if you will, and on how to do safety. So we we thought that was a good approach. You know, there's other uh, systems out there as well, uh, management systems. Um, there's the National Safety Council has the Journey to Safety Excellence uh, initiative with its free tools and resources. ANSI has a Z10. Um, ISO has ISO 45001. And uh, there's also OHSAS 18001, a, a UK uh, standard as well. So there's there's lots of organizations telling us uh, we need to do more than just compliance in terms of, of managing our own companies and, and those of uh, we can utilize this for contractor management as well. Um, I'm kind of a visual person, so I, I, I have this uh, little image of a tree, and the tree is really the safety and health management system. It, it's the integration. It's all the pieces uh, larger, you know, it, is is makes up the whole. And so the components here, if you look at it that way from let's let's use the example of a, a training program. 
So the limb is the training program, and, and, and the branches would be, for example, the lesson plans within your training program. And the, the twigs out from the branches would, would be the elements or the learning objectives of your training programs. And, and the leaves uh, uh, from those uh, twigs would be the, the records, whether they be training records or course evaluation records. And, and, and you can see how safety is then uh, spread out across your company, and it affects all sorts of different things, more than just training. But that's that's kind of a, a kind of a, in a nutshell a picture of of what safety management system looks like. So a management system assessment. So what we put together is uh, really a look at the ability of a company to work safely for the client. Uh, it, it looks at the depth of their safety program. It, it aids the client on the hiring process. It also helps the supplier in terms of a continuous process improvement. And, and uh, you know, what it's really looking at is the culture uh, of that company. And, and uh, you know, it's it's hard to put a, a quantify a culture, but if you break down the pieces of it, you can put it in a scorecard and you, you can get a sense of where they're at. And, and really, it, it, it's uh, this assessment is not a pass or fail. It's a, you know, a safety is a, a point in time, not necessarily uh, the destination. So uh, we're all on a journey with that, and and so we all go forward or backwards on different occasions. So it, it's just providing you a, a statement on where they are, that company is at a given point in time. What I what I've uh, seen from from past experiences is that you know, as a host employer, if you've got a project manager or a superintendent out in the field, they don't necessarily know what to say to contractors in terms of, of um, you know, how they're performing, uh, unless if you provide a little bit of structure, some common language for them. So in, in ten, instead of just saying, uh, you know, work safely out there, uh, you can have a, a great conversation about their safety program. You know, you're, you're doing well in, in uh, management leadership, but your worker participation is, is lacking. And here's what I'm, I'm seeing in this field, that the employees don't seem to be engaged with, with their efforts. So that type of thing, um, you know, there's some gaps between the, uh, uh, perhaps in their execution, whether it comes down to the training or understanding of the training. So it really provides a great dialogue um, for ongoing conversation because you're, Suppliers are looking to, for you to mentor them in, in, in improving, and you might not notice that. Um, and then if you, if you repeat this assessment, again, you know, all of our, our uh, safety programs ebb and flow uh, over the course of time. So as an auditor, um, I can tell you that, uh, and if you've done auditing yourself, that um, it's rare to you, to you get the sense of a real appreciation from an auditee. Um, and even as an auditor myself, I'm doing lots of audits, compliance audits in the field, you know, sometimes in the back of my mind I realize that, uh, yep, we found a checkbox that was missed, that type of thing in a, in a, in a record, uh, you know, document. But um, really, are we, are we making progress with this effort? Are we providing information that's useful to, to the auditee and, and to the host employer? And, and I can I can uh, honestly say that this this assessment that we we created does help the, the client and, and also the supplier improving their program and and these were actual quotes from suppliers in terms of what they what they found um, from us in, within this assessment.
so it really does work. So in terms of auditing, people will ask, well, well, uh, you know, who do who do we do this audit for? You know, this level of audit for? And and Browse has a phrase called the right fit, and and that really makes a lot of sense for us in terms of managing contractors. And so um, we only want to assess contractors for the type of work that they're going to be doing for you. It's it, it's no it's no good value for for anyone to to audit beyond really what's necessary. And so um, I would I would recommend for the lower risk uh, companies, you do a baseline on the lagging indicators and 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 have a you know have that baseline set up. But as the as the uh, contractors get involved in your critical programs, um, you want to do an assessment of those written programs. So they're gonna they're not gonna harm uh, your own employees or anyone else in terms of uh, their interaction with your critical programs. And then um, at the very highest level. For contractors that are the highest risk and the you know the ones that you use uh, many times, I would I would say to do that management system assessment. You you really want to know how they do safety. If you want to get that sense, um, that's what I would use at at the highest level of uh, auditing. Well, before I I turn it over to the moderator. Um, I want to make um, mention of a presentation uh, that we've got coming up uh, in November. We're holding a panel discussion with MIT and Santa Clara University on contractor management for the university environment. And uh, again, how this makes you know sense to you is that um, whether you work in a university system or not, uh, you know we all. Uh, go to our universities, whether we go to sporting events, whether we go to concerts, we've got kids going to college. So it, it's, uh, from that standpoint, it's good to know what these these um, leading universities are doing for contractor management in creating a safe work environment, uh, play environment for, for those visitors. So I uh, recommend that you uh, uh, register for this webinar. Um, and now I'll return the uh, presentation to Joe Bush for question and answer and, and uh, webinar conclusion. Excellent. Great job, guys. Thanks for your insight and expertise. Before we start the Q&A, I want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey we're asking you to complete. The survey should be appearing on your screen. Your input is important because it will help us improve future webcasts. If you do not see the evaluation survey on your screen, please turn off your pop-up blocker. You may also access the survey by clicking the survey button near the lower right part of your screen. Now, let's get to some questions. The first one goes to Dennis. This is a great system for American companies. How would you deal with Canadian companies where each province and the country have their own rules and regulations and safety code? Thanks, Joe. That's a great question. Uh, you know, our system is configurable. Uh, what I mean by that is, it's not just an American system. Yes, we're based out of the U.S., but uh, we worked with uh, companies over in Europe, Canada as well, and uh, many other countries. And really what it comes down to is that configurability can be made in a way that uh, whether it's in a different province, maybe it's in a different country, city, state, site, whatever that might be, it can be built in a system where leaving Canada, you don't have OSHA logs. Obviously, you wouldn't, but there's provincial data that you can pull as well. And again, that would go for any other country where, um, again, they don't track OSHA, but they've got something else in place, and, and we would uh, track those items accordingly. 
This one goes out to either one of you. To identify the contractor's industry to be used for the industry averages, do you get that from the NAICS code the contractor uses? I'll take that one. This is Dennis. Uh, correct. We would get that from the contractor. We would also verify that that is a correct industry. If you have a, a construction company or someone that's working on a high risk and they report a very low risk, maybe an, an office employee or something like that, industry code, we would question that and get the correct industry code from them. So, so yes, initially it would come from the contractor, but on the back end we'd verify that that's correct and then ensure that uh, you're seeing the correct data in the system as well. Okay, this one to either one of you as well. In some states, workers' comp insurance is not required, so the EMR data for all businesses in an industry may not work out. How do you evaluate EMR when not everyone uses workers' comp insurance? You know, I'll, this is Pat. I'll take that. Um, if it's if it's uh, a data point that that's not being used by a particular uh, company, then then we would have to, to leave that uh, off the record. But um, for the most part, uh, it is something that um, most companies utilize. And um, again, it's just one element that, uh, one lagging indicator that provides some insight into the company's ability to work safely. But uh, we don't recommend just using one lagging indicator. So that's, that's why we recommend using uh, more than one to get a, a good sense of, of where that company uh, stands. Again, to either one of you, what is best practice to evaluate smaller contractor who may have few injuries, but their rates will be very high due to less man hours? You know, that, that, is, a, that is a challenge for small companies. You know, you only have a, a few employees, a few productive work hours, and, and uh, we factor that in, uh, whether you're, uh, you know, and, and uh, you do that currently with, with uh, your suppliers, whether you're doing that in-house or, or not. So um, you look at those tables and, and, and look at the information on there. You can see the number of productive hours and, and you have to factor that into uh, what a company is, is uh, what their experience is. And, and if you're using more than one metric, you know, a lagging indicator, uh, you're also looking at leading indicators that say, all right, this, this company has uh, a number of injuries. Let's let's look at what they are. You know, is it a bee sting in the field? And you have a company of three employees that are on site. Uh, that's going to look pretty bad uh, in terms of their their uh, total recordable rate. But if you're looking at, at at how they manage safety, how they how they they train their employees, how they uh, train their leadership and, and site observations and and those kinds of things, you're going to get a better picture. And, and if you see something on their injury rates that, that's not looking good, uh, you can require them to, to have a, a hazard plan, uh, job-specific safety plan for that, and, and uh, ask them to shore, shore up that deficiency until they, until they, uh, you see improvements in the field. So there are ways to manage contractors, large or small, um, if those are, are having rates that are higher than your, your protocols. Dennis, this one is for you. I've heard that a contractor's EMR can be gamed by the company. Is this true, and how would they do this? Well, I would sure hope not, number one. Um, but, yes, in some situations we have found maybe where a, a company isn't reporting uh, an EMR as it should be. But that's why whenever we do request it, 
we request it from that third-party agent to ensure that it's not coming directly from the company. Uh, obviously, when you're dealing with electronic communication, there could be situations where you have somebody that's uh, giving you falsified data, but ensuring that it comes from that third party uh, eliminates that, that issue where you have somebody that's just giving you something directly that they've put on a napkin or, or written down on something else. So um, that's kind of how we would alleviate that, but again, that's where Pat had mentioned previously where there's various metrics to look at. Uh, that's why we'd also want to look at the OSHA log and look at some of those other pieces to ensure that we are getting that correct data from the contractor. Okay, next. Where do I find the industry average? I'll, I'll take that one as well. Uh, you would actually find it on the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, if you go on that site, you can pull the average by year, uh, so 2016, 15, 14, and so on. Um, Pat, I'd be curious, do you have any additional comments in that regard as far as where to find that and how to utilize that? Yeah, so so you, the the BLS uh, webpage will will tell you what what the industry uh, rates are, and um, there's another organization uh, I use the acronym NACE, uh, North American Industry Classification System, and and uh, <laughs> I probably uh, I probably didn't say that as accurately as I should, but it's the it's the NACE codes, and and that's where um, there's a, a a numbering system that. Uh, up from two digits to six digits, so you can you can make your refinement in the type of of industry that you are. And, and the the higher the number, the more digits, the more refined uh, specialty of that particular division. So, for example, construction is uh, the the two digit NACE code is 23, and and then you can break down to the different um, contractor uh, subtypes, whether they're electrical, whether they're HVAC, all that kind of thing and it'll get more refined the further out you go. So it, it's really two organizations uh, where you get that information uh, about industry averages. Okay, this one goes to Pat. We currently review the EMR and safety programs of any general contractor that bids on any of our work. Do you all extend your review to the subcontractor level? Again, this would be um, based on our, our client's uh, interest in, in the protocols. So some have, would have us do their, their, their subcontractors as well. Uh, some uh, just go down to the, to the contractor level or the prime contractor level. Um, whoever uh, asked this question is, is uh, obviously very um, knowledgeable about the contractor management, and, and this really is a as once at one time uh, reported in the Campbell Institute, we're also members of the Campbell Institute. Having uh, prime contractors or general contractors manage their subcontractors was considered a best practice. Now, uh, after further review and study, um, having this um, prime contractor evaluate their subcontractor is really seen as a common challenge. So that, there's been a shift in understanding and appreciation for that. So sometimes you could you can imagine where there could be a conflict of interest uh, between the prime and their subcontractors. So if you're the host employer and, and you have you're relying on on uh, prime contractors to evaluate their subs, um, there is some exposure there for you, risk exposure to uh, did they really do that? Did they bet those contractors in a way that you would? So um, that's a very um, individual um, question to ask each company in terms of their risk tolerance 
and uh, so you would go from allowing that to we're gonna we're gonna want to vet all those subcontractors as well. It's I, I realize it's easy for me to say in a in a session like this, but it's a it's a tough thing to to do. And um, but those are your two options. Okay, to Dennis, how do we get the OSHA logs 300A? Thanks, Joe. That OSHA log would actually come from the contractor, and this is where, as we went through uh, the exercise earlier, it's so important to verify that for accuracy to make sure that you're getting something that's reported correctly. Now, maybe you get that OSHA log and, and you don't see any issues with it. That's why it's important to add those other metrics in, whether that's the EMR uh, looking on the OSHA.gov site and so on. So, so yes, it would come from the contractor, but you definitely want to do, do your due diligence in terms of uh, verifying that's filled out correctly and then looking at those other metrics to ensure that there's maybe not something that's been missed, uh, whether that's accidental or uh, potentially trying to hide something as well. Great. And this will be the last question as we're coming up to the top of the hour. To Pat, at what point in the selection process do you recommend a deep dive into a contractor safety program? There may be multiple bidders to evaluate. Yeah, and, and I would uh, go back to the slide where, where I talk about higher risk contractors. Um, it, it's an effort to, to, uh, to do that level of assessment. So I, I, would, uh, I would limit that limit that to the higher risk suppliers that are involved with your critical programs, they're engaging with uh, um, your employees and, and you know physicality and, and, uh, or other contractors. Uh, they're on your site on a regular basis. These are contractors where you get to know uh, quite well that they they, uh, they supplement your own full-time benefit employees. So these are the these are the types of contractors that I would I would do that that full safety management system assessment where you really want to know um, how they do safety in, in in addition to just what they do. So again, a little bit of a triage in terms of the higher the risk, the higher the need to to look at um, their safety programs at a deeper level. Thank you. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. I'm sorry we didn't get to everyone's questions, but all of today's unanswered questions will be forwarded on to our speakers. Once again, I hope you take the time to fill out the evaluation survey on your screen to give us your feedback. That ends today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Dennis Robinson and Pat Cunningham, everyone at Browse, and all of you who listened in. Thanks, and have a great day.